This is the Brabant Bulletin, brought to you by the European Brabant Registry of America, where people, passion, and preservation are our mission. All right, Brabanters, just a recap. In part one, we covered roughly 52,000 years of breed evolution. And in part two, we're going to focus on the modern history of the European Brabant. So let's get started. In the medieval period, horses became emblematic of status, wealth, and refinement. Just as a country's manufactured goods and exports reflect a country's wealth and status today, back then, horses were essential commodities that were a direct reflection of their nation's might. Royal and state-run stud farms cropped up across Europe, and breeds as we know them today began to take shape. The main purpose of such farms was to accelerate and improve the evolution of local horses, while also offering discounted or free stud services for their citizens. All governments love records and red tape, so the establishment of such institutions ushered in the era of stud books, and thus, pedigrees began. Before you historian types get too excited, we openly acknowledge that many cultures, such as the Romans, Assyrians, and Sumerians kept breeding records as did clerical monks with breeding programs. By the 1800s, the Flemish, or Flanders horse, Brabant horse, Ardennes horse, and other heavy horses of the region had diverged ever so slightly from one another in phenotype due to the introduction of foreign stock and the establishment of formal breed standards. Some, like the 14-hand Ardennes horse, had introduced Arabian bloodlines to improve endurance, while the Flemish horse had been selectively bred to increase height. Each Flemish-based draft horse had their unique attributes. They all did a myriad of jobs, ranging from forestry to farm work, and other more unique occupations. For instance, the Trait du Nord worked in the mines while the Brabants dragged shrimp nets through the North Sea and barges along the canals. The Camtois hauled pine trees and plowed vineyards. The Auxois worked in teams on the farm and the Ardennes pulled artillery for the army. Despite their minor phenotype differences, they all had the same endearing qualities as their ancestors, being calm, tolerant, flexible, and active just like me. It took one enterprising draft horse breeder to recognize that combining these subtly different divergent qualities would innovate and reinvigorate the old world Flemish draft horses. In the 1850s, a breeder from Flemish Brabant and Volizele, Belgium, Remy van der Schuren, recognized the ever-increasing need for heavy horses due to global industrialization and set about combining draft horses of the Low Countries to create one single breed of colossal proportions, the modern-day Belgian Brabant draft horse. The outcome of this brilliant breeding was the Brabant stallion, brilliant, who made waves throughout Europe after being crowned champion at draft horse competitions in Brussels, Amsterdam, London, Paris, and Hanover. Oops, I skipped over some very key historical facts that directly impact the Brabant draft horse, so allow me to pause and rewind. Remember in part one when I talked about the fluid boundaries of empires, kingdoms, and duchies over the centuries? Well, for hundreds of years, what is now Belgium, Luxembourg, and the Netherlands fell under the Kingdom of France. The Flemish people inhabiting the county of Flanders and the Duchy of Brabant were forced to give up their native Flemish and Brabantic dialects in schools and take their ethnic identities into hiding. By 1814, the people finally had enough, and the Low Countries claimed independence from France, therefore establishing the Kingdom of the Netherlands, which encompassed modern-day Belgium, Luxembourg, and the Netherlands. 
Things were all right for about 25 years, but economic, ethnic, and religious differences amongst the citizens caused the people of Belgium to revolt. And so, in October of 1830, the Kingdom of Belgium declared its independence from the Kingdom of the Netherlands. The name chosen for the new state was Belgium, after Belge. The Latin word used by Julius Caesar in 55 BCE during the Gallic Wars when describing the fearsome Celtic tribes of the region. Again, you can go back to part one to refresh your memories on that if you need to. As an aside here, 60% of the Belgian population was then, and still is, Flemish. These are ethnically Germanic-Dutch-speaking natives who live in and around the Flanders and Brabant regions. If you recall, Flemish was historically a geographical term, and the animals who lived there were referred to as Flemish fill-in-the-blank. Uh, for example, the Flemish Brabant draft horse. The other 40% of Belgians, the Walloons, were, or are rather, French-speaking folks with their own customs and beliefs. As you can imagine, having two culturally divergent groups can cause some tension, and after Belgium's independence, such differences became giant chasms. This gave rise to the Flemish movement, which the French-speaking Walloons tried to tamp down. During the 19th and early 20th centuries, Belgium's managerial, professional, and administrative ranks were filled almost entirely by the French-speaking minority segment of the population, even in Flanders. This meant all things Flemish became unpopular. To firmly establish Belgium's national identity and to promote and instill national pride, all things became Belgian. You've got the Belgian waffle, Belgian beer, Belgian chocolate, and our favorite, the Belgian draft horse. By 1879, the Belgian Department of Horses was established, followed by the National Belgian Draft Horse Society, in 1886. This stud book had three categories, Flemish, Brabant, and Ardennes. By 1888, the Flemish horse, or at least the name, fell out of fashion due to the aforementioned political and national identity issues. References to the Flemish or Flanders horse therefore were scarce. Only the Brabant and Ardennes horses and name remained. Five people took the initiative to establish a national stud book in Belgium. This merger brought Brussels, Liège, and East Flanders stud books together in 1890. After 1919, the association became the Royal Belgian Society. I've translated this, of course, but it's called KMBT in Belgium for short. Over time, daughter stud books such as the Flemish Breeders of the Belgian Draft Horse, Walloon Belgian Draft Horse Association, and the Walloon breeders of the Belgian draft horse were recognized by the mother stud book, KMBT. Suddenly, global demand was reinvigorated, reminiscent of the medieval period, for powerful Belgian Brabant draft horses. By this time, our favorite draft horse was referred to as Brabant or Belgian interchangeably, or sometimes together as the Belgian Brabant. Old habits die hard, they say. In 1891, breeders from Babat had exported Belgian stallions to the governments of Russia, Italy, Germany, France, and the former Austria-Hungary Empire. Just as in centuries past, the heavy stallions were crossed with native horses from each country to create brand new or to enhance existing draft breeds. From those new breeds, other heavy horse breeds were developed, and so on. The late 19th and early 20th centuries were truly a renaissance for draft horses. Here's a fun aside, which thus far in the article just means I'm about to have to try to say some things I don't know how to say. Thank you so much for your patience. For any clarification, please read the article online. The Brabant was used to establish draft breeds throughout the world. Take the Soviet heavy draft as a case in point. There were no indigenous heavy horses in Russia. 
1885, three Belgian stallions were imported into Oblast, eastern Russia, according to historian A.N. Kosharov. Over the subsequent ten years, another 54 studs were added. They were crossed with native light harnesses and saddle horses, such as the Orlov Trotter, and other imported heavy breeds, such as the Breton from France, the Suffolk Punch from England, and the Jutland from Denmark. All three breeds were ancient in their own right, but are genetically linked to those hardy, proto-heavy horse progenitors of the Brabant. The Breton is from the region of modern-day Brittany in northwest France. They're believed to be descendants of the same strain of horses used by the Celtic Belgae peoples. The Breton breed comes from smaller horses that were bred and improved by the Celtic warriors on their conquest of what is now Great Britain, explains Bonnie L. Hendricks. It's essentially the same story for the Jutland of Denmark. While the breed's written history is not fully documented, it's said that the same heavy horse progenitor of the Brabant was used by the Viking raiders throughout Britain. Some were left behind in Britain and were purported that those horses were the foundation of the Suffolk Punch. Don't forget when we mentioned before that migrating Belgae Celts also brought their horses to Britain centuries earlier. So you see, all these heavy breeds, in some distant way, can be traced back to the ancient horse of the Low Countries. The Brabant created the Soviet Heavy Draft, which in turn contributed to the development of the Lithuanian Heavy, Estonian Heavy, and the Bulgarian Heavy Draft. Each of these newly formed stud books also directly imported Brabants and Ardennes of their own to improve their stock. In the 1800s, Ardennes, Brabants, and Breton heavy horses were imported to Poland and were crossed with the native Myrzin to develop the Shumsky heavy horse. Later in 1860, the Italians imported Brabants to cross with the heavy native horses, thus creating the Italian heavy draft also known as the Cavallo Agrico Italiano da Tiro Pesante Ripado. In 1876, Brabants were imported into Prussia, leading the development of the Belgian type Rhenish-German Coldblood, a.k.a. Rhenisch Deutsch Kaulblut, and the establishment of the subsequent Rhinelander stud book in 1892. Ever popular, the Rhenish draft numbers made up 50% of the horse populations in Germany by the 1940s, from the Rhenish-German coldblood sprung the Fouts Altonaire, which also boasted Comtois, Ardennes, and Brabant bloodlines. Sweden got in the game too, importing Ardennes in 1872 to cross with their North Swedish horse to form the Swedish Ardennes breed. Okay, let's get back to our story. Documents show that A.G. von Horberger of Monmouth, Illinois, was the first to import Brabants to the USA in 1866. From there, the floodgates were opened. The influx of Ardennes, Brabants, and their close draft cousins, the Boulonnais and Percheron, were so prevalent that breeders in the USA formed the Anglo-Norman Horse Association, later renamed and now defunct National French Draft Horse Association, in 1876, and the Tongue Twister, the American Association of Importers and Breeders of Belgian Draft Horses, which thankfully was renamed the Belgian Draft Horse Corporation of America, in 1887. Importations of Brabants continued steadily all the way to the onset of World War I. While imports resumed after the war's conclusion, it was more of a trickle than a fire hose. The American Belgian and the European Brabant remained relatively similar in type until World War I, when American breeders began selectively breeding for taller, lighter horses with more sloping shoulders. Just look at the American Belgian stallion, Brooklyn Supreme, as an example. 
he stood 19.2 and held the record for being the heaviest and tallest horse in the world. According to Stanley Jepson, author of The Gentle Giants, The Story of Draft Horses. Indeed, by the 1920s, the American Belgian became a breed independent of the Brabant with unique phenotype and standards. Russia, Germany, and other countries followed suit, closing their stud books and interbreeding their stock. The 1920s was the heyday of draft horses, with some 95,000 registered in the USA alone. But that wasn't to last. They were replaced by stronger, time-efficient, modern tools and just like Henry Ford's Model T, their services were no longer required. After World War II, U.S. draft horse populations fell to just 2,000 registered draft horses. Likewise, in Germany, their once booming herd of 26,990 Rhenish German cold blood mares had plummeted to just 11 by 1972. In France, the nearly 600,000 Boulonnais were diminished to just around 1,000 head, according to Jean-Paul Labordet, author of Le Petit Foot Côté de Opale. The famed herd of 50,000 Petroven draft mares decreased to 300. As for the ancient Brabant, who fought through two world wars on their home soil, they went from 278,000 head of horses to just a few thousand at most. The Brabant, along with their progeny of other breeds, were on the verge of a global extinction event. Thanks to dedicated breeders, stud books, and associations who've invested manpower and resources in the genetic preservation of the breed, there will be Brabants for future generations. However, the Brabant is not out of the woods yet. As we mentioned in Part 1, trekpard.net, T-R-E-K-P-A-A-R-D, estimates just 5,000 purebred Brabants are in Belgium today and they're producing roughly 550 or less foals annually. Compare that to the 80,000 quarter horse foals born in the U.S. alone each year for context, and you can see just how dire the situation is for the European Brabant breed. In 2016, the Belgian Draft Horse Corporation of America officially closed its books to the European Brabants, leaving those who owned and bred them with an opportunity to establish a dedicated registry of their own. In October 2021, the European Brabant Registry of America was founded with the mission to preserve and promote the purebred European Brabant in the Americas. While the EBRA has less than 50 registered purebred Brabants in the Premier Stud Book, there are twice as many, 50% Brabants, who are registered in the European Brabant Stock Stud Book. These horses of mixed heavy horse lineage are vital to the propagation and preservation of the European Brabant draft horse in North America. To avoid inbreeding and to broaden the gene pool, the European Brabant Registry of America, EBRA, developed the Breed Up program, where breeders can selectively cover outside phenotype draft breeds with purebred Brabants and breed up to the purebred threshold of 15 sixteenths, or 93.75 European Brabant bloodlines. These qualifying Breed Up Brabants are then evaluated and scored against breed standards by a panel of independent judges trained by our counterparts in Belgium. Those who pass inspection are included in the EBRA's premier purebred European Brabant stud book. This program allows us to preserve the heritage of the Brabant breed while also introducing fresh, outside blood to the genetic mix. This conservation approach is widely used by other heritage livestock breed associations across many animal species. Here's a sobering side note for you. According to the Livestock Conservatory, there are five categories in which heritage breeds are classified. Critical, Threatened, Watch, Recovering, and Study. Critical are fewer than 200 annual registrations in the USA. 
and are an estimated global population of less than 2,000. Threatened are fewer than 1,000 annual registrations in the USA, and are estimated global population of less than 5,000. Watch has fewer than 2,500 annual registrations in the USA, and an estimated global population of less than 10,000. Recovering are breeds that were once listed but have exceeded the watch guidelines. Studies are breeds of genetic interest that lack definition or historical documentation. Today, the European Brabant can be found doing a myriad of jobs in North America. There's a sizable movement underway toward environmentally sound forest management practices called restorative forestry. European Brabants have been working in forest for hundreds of years, and their skills are still used today. Likewise, the 21st century finds more farmers turning to regenerative farming that includes organics, crop rotations, small-scale farming, and the use of horsepower. European Brabants have been tilling land for well over a thousand years and are still the best choice for any scale farm. In addition to the conventional work, European Brabants are making waves in the dressage arena as well as single, team, and four-in-hand driving competitions. They're used in circus acts and vaulting programs as well as riding school and therapy programs. While they'll likely never become a top-class jumper, the European Brabant is an outstanding pleasure-riding horse. Their large stride, ambling gait, and proud build are extremely comfortable. They have great stamina for long treks, too. Don't forget that while plowing fields, they're known to cover over 40 miles while pulling heavy farm equipment. A long ride on the beach, in the mountains, or around the farm is considered light work for these easy keepers. Today, European Brabants across North America are competing in local, regional, and national open shows and are handled by kids and adults alike. They act as breed ambassadors, bringing much-needed attention to the European Brabant and provide an opportunity to educate the public about this very rare, yet all-too-important, heritage breed and the EBRA's preservation efforts. To learn more about the European Brabant, please visit www.europeanbrabant.com. Better yet, join our community by becoming a member and help us in our mission to preserve and promote the European Brabant the father of all draft horses. This is Joe Worley. Thank you so much for listening. And that, dear listeners, concludes our two-part series on the history of the European Brabant. But we've got more informative and entertaining podcasts to come, so be sure to like and subscribe to the Brabant Bulletin podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you've got time, visit www.europeanbrabant.com. Too. Until next time, don't forget that we all have a responsibility to protect endangered breeds, both for their sake, for their future, and for our own future generations. Mm -hmm.